If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 260. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for joining in. Good show for you this week. Comedian Sarah Colonna is on. This is her third time on the podcast, I believe. Wanted to have her on uh, to talk about stand-up. We bring up the Katie Thurston opening for Whitney Cummings stand-up thing that happened a couple weeks ago. I talked to her about her career. I talked to her about the fact that she's coming to Dallas next weekend. I'm going to go see her. Not Katie. I'm going to see Sarah. Um, And we talk a little bit about um, her husband, who is a former NFL punter, currently punting in the CFL, well, before he got injured, and the scholarship that they set up. And then we talk a little reality TV. So Sarah Colonna coming up in a little bit. Don't have a ton of stuff to get to before we dive into the interview with Sarah. But I will talk a little bit about Michelle slash Clayton season stuff that I kind of went over in yesterday's column. If you missed it, you know, Mike Fleiss tweeted out the picture of Colton, Colton, excuse me, picture of Clayton at the rose ceremony on Tuesday night, which was at the mansion. Uh, They are on their way to Iceland. The first overnight date will start today in Iceland. And we're going to wrap up by the end of next week because Monday the 22nd is when they are filming Michelle's Men Tell All. So I would assume Clayton would be at that. I don't see why he wouldn't unless they do some pre-recorded interview with him. But you'd think he'd be there, which means that they got to wrap up by the end of next week in Iceland. Also, something else that I wanted to kind of bring up and it, and it stemmed from Monday or excuse me, Tuesday night's episode with the whole, uh, Nate thing. And, you know, if you don't want to know spoilers then I would just fast forward, uh, through this next section, but you know, I, I emphasized this yesterday in my column and every season, this show just has to just don't let things go along swimmingly. There's always some sort of you know, drama every single episode. At some point during the episode, some guy is featured, quote unquote, as, hey, the audience is not supposed to like this guy. He's speaking out against the other guys or he's challenging the lead on something. You've watched the show enough. You know what I'm talking about. It just happens every single episode. And the response from last night turned into, wow, they really made Nate look bad. And I'm like, I what did Nate say that was so bad? Guy said he expected to get a one-on-one. I mean, the guy did get the first impression rose and the first kiss of the season. I don't see why he said, hey, if I don't get a one-on-one this week, I know one's coming. There are worse things that have been said on this show and have made people look way worse than that. And clearly Chris S. just jumped down his throat because he was probably told to by production. Like, hey, what do you think about Nate talking about getting a one-on-one? Thinks that's a little cocky. And then Chris just ran with that. And, 
you know. But when you look at back on the end of it, you know, there. I mean, I was surprised. I was really shocked at the sentiment that came out from last to from Tuesday night's episode, where so many people were like, "Wow, Nate got such a horrible edit," and I, I'm worried. I'm worried about that guy, and I don't know if he's. I'm like, look, I mean, I. Are Nate and Michelle going to get married and stay married for 80 years or until one of them dies? Probably not, just because the odds are against them. But to use last night's episode as the reason why they won't make it, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Like, when this season plays out, next week Nate gets his first one-on-one with Michelle's friends on Lake Minnetonka. Clearly that was set up so she wanted him to have one of the better dates of the season. And then at the end of this thing, when Michelle and Nate get engaged... I don't think people are going to be looking back at episode four and be like, yeah, but remember in episode four when he said he thought he'd get a one-on-one? Like, that's why I'm so surprised that everyone is so reacting to Nate being, I don't know, cocky, confident, whatever you want to call it. But that was, I mean, we've seen way worse things said on this show by guides and the connection they thought they had with the lead. And guys that were saying that stuff that we know, due to spoilers, didn't end up winning in the end. And then you kind of write it off as, wow, this guy's totally not self-aware and doesn't get it. But knowing that Nate wins, for him to say, like, yeah, I'm cool if I don't get one because I know one's coming. I don't... shocked at the reaction to that. But especially knowing what happens at the end, like... People are really going to use that against him when he ends up winning this thing? They'll be like, oh, no, but in episode four, he was cocky. Oh, okay. I just, I don't put much stock into it. And look, I have no idea if Michelle and Nate are going to last. Because I just don't know enough about him. And enough about even Michelle. I think the one thing I do know about Michelle is it doesn't, seem to look like and I and I've said this about past contestants and I ended up being dead wrong because the Hollywood bug got to them and the ego inflation just kind of took over but as of right now it certainly doesn't seem like Michelle is out for a television slash hosting career she's gone back to teaching I don't know if that means at the end of this school year she's done and gonna get into hosting or doing something I have no idea what Michelle's career goals and aspirations are. But for the time being, it seems like she just wants to lead a normal life and not get into the whole celebrity aspect of what being the bachelorette takes. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. As we know, it has worked out for a lot of people, the Tayshas, the Caitlins, the Allies for a while, uh, Jojo. It certainly worked out for them. So, I just don't get that impression from Michelle as of right now. But like I said, I've said that in the past about people and ended up being wrong. I've said, oh, it seems like they're not going to get taken over by fame, and and then they do. So we'll see what happens. But just didn't. I was really surprised at the reaction to Nate on Tuesday night because I just didn't think it was that big of a deal what he said. And it literally dominated the last 30 minutes of the episode with Chris just jumping down his throat for that. Seemed really silly, especially when it gets proven in the very next episode that, yeah, he got his one-on-one, and it's going to go well for him, and Chris is going to look like a quote-unquote dweeb, like Nate said, and it just doesn't... Chris is just such a non-factor this season, and he's a guy that clearly was on the show as filler, was never going to win, was never going to really last very long, I mean, he's made it halfway through the season, so I guess congratulations for that. But he's filler. And production used him to create some drama because they had none on Tuesday night's episode. So anyway, just wanted to get that out there. And, you know, I will keep you updated on Clayton and what's going on with that. I think I know who got eliminated at Final Four Rose Ceremony, but going to... Hold on to that because really there's no reason to release it now. I'd rather wait until the end of the season when I get the final four breakdown of who got, you know, four, three, two, and one. So I'll probably do that. And But that's only, you know, that's less than a couple of weeks away, assuming I can get it right away. I, I, I don't know about the ending just yet, clearly, but it's, it's, you know, hit or miss. Even though I didn't have a lot of uh, details on the seasons during the bubble, 
I I had your you know your endings uh I had your endings right for Matt. You know, it took me a while for Matt. I didn't I didn't think I released that until end of January, beginning of February when his season was airing. Uh Katie, same thing, like in, I think mid June or maybe end of June ish, maybe beginning of July, I had, you know, the Blake stuff. Uh, Michelle, you knew two weeks before the season started that uh that she had picked Nate. So, you know, I never know. Sometimes I get it right away, sometimes it takes a few days, sometimes it takes a couple weeks. But I guess if I were to make a prediction, I'd be pretty shocked if I didn't find out who Clayton chooses before you know, let's say filming ends on the 20th. I, I would think within the first week or so of December, I would know by then, but, you know, we'll see. So, without any further ado, let's get going. Here we go. Podcast 260. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, she is a comedian, and she is a New York Times bestselling author with books Life As I Blow It and Has Anyone Seen My Pants? It is Sarah Colonna. <laughs> Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You get a kick out of the titles of your own book? Because I do. <laughs> I just, yeah, I do. Every time someone says it, I'm like, how can anyone take me seriously? <laughs> and then your book, and then your book cover, you're literally in no pants on your book cover. Right. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. uh, yeah, it all it stemmed from a story about actually walking down a hallway a little high and uh, realizing I didn't have pants on. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about comedy real quick. We get started with with what's going on with you in comedy. This um, podcast is airing. <clears throat> we'll air uh, starting on Thursday, the 11th. So we're recording this on Wednesday. So starting tonight, you are at the House of Comedy in Arizona today through Saturday, the 11th through the 13th. And then next weekend, you're coming here to Dallas. That's right. 19th to the 21st. Can't wait to see you. Uh, I'm going to do that Saturday late show. Looking forward to that. Um, the well, Addison Improv. Yes, at the Addison Improv. Um I did a, but the only live podcast that I've ever done was at the Addison Improv. This was pre-pandemic when that started to become a thing, where podcasts were being done on usually yeah. like, on usually like Tuesday nights at at comedy clubs because that's usually their night where they're kind of dead. Um, yeah, yeah. And I did I did a live podcast there, and I was set to do another one. The pandemic hit, and things. How was it? It was it was great. I mean, it was. I think we had about. I think we had about 75, 80 people in the audience. It was 20 bucks a head and still comedy club rules still uh, pertained in terms of two drink minimum and stuff like that. But yeah. it was a great time. It was um, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did it. I hope we can do it again in the future. But when you and I, I know. when you and I last I love spoke, that club. Oh, it's I, great. I love that club. I have no, I just I love that club. I haven't been there in so long. I it's been a few years. So um, I'm just like excited to go back. But it's such a nice club. It's just like. A nice night out for people, I think. Yeah, Addison, um, nice little area uh, to hang out in. It is. Um, I, I've been to that club numerous times. Uh, God, who have I seen there? I've seen. Um, uh, I've seen Nikki. They... I've seen Nikki Glazer there before she started doing theaters. Uh, I saw uh, Jay Farrow there. I mean, I've seen probably ten comedians there in the time that I've lived here. Um, but yeah, great club. Always Do they there. still have that like piano bar karaoke place across the across last? The yeah, last time I was there, they did. They they still had it. I don't know if that place went out of business because of COVID or not, but um, last time I was there, they definitely did. And I think the last right. time I was there was my live podcast, which was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. So um, when you and I last spoke, we um, it was September of last year. It was during the pandemic, so comedy wasn't back yet. But obviously now it is obviously a lot of downtime during the pandemic. So were you able to build out a whole new set for these shows as all new material that we're going to get this weekend in Phoenix and next weekend in Dallas? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because that, and I think I would discuss this even with you then, like a lot of the way I write and, and I think a lot of comedians do this as well. I mean, everyone has their own thing, but is I do tend to write from stage and like weed things out as I go and, then add something in and then, okay, now I've lost this part and this is brand new. And like, and then by the end of say a run of, of, of a bunch of shows, I've got my whole new hour. Right. So it was very uh, challenging <laughs> last year to figure out how to do that just with like pen and paper or, you know, on my computer or making notes in my phone. It was really challenging. It was kind of good for me because it made me 
you know, I've, I've done a couple weekends now. It's still not that many. I, I mean, things opened and closed. I did some shows in March. I did some shows in April and May, and then it kind of shut down again. And then, um, you know, and every state is different and rules and uh, who knows. So, um, and then I did some in August, but, um, and, and so I've been able to, to be like, okay, I guess writing stuff on your computer, it does some of it. You, you, once you say it out loud, you're like, nope, that didn't work. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's okay to have plenty of stuff in my back pocket, especially like places I haven't been. I can kind of, you know, work in some things that I know are tried and true, but then work in the new stuff there. So it's kind of like this weird process that's, that's way different than um, I've been used to in the past, but in a good way, I guess. Makes did, you mix it up. Did you ever do any of the online comedy when it was, you know, every club was shut down, like beginning of the pandemic? Did you ever do any of that that I saw some comedians doing? Um, I did one, and uh, and I was like, <laughs> I'll never do that again. Um, I, <laughs> I, it was actually fun, and it was for, it was um, a friend of, I, I'm close with this owner of a couple of clubs. He owns the Tacoma Comedy Club, uh, where I'll be for New Year's Eve, by the way, if anyone's in that area. And um, and uh, and a couple of the clubs, Spokane and then Oklahoma. So he was like, if we can sell tickets to this show with myself and this and Chris Frangiola, another comedian, um, online and on Zoom, and we can then all the money's going to go to my employees. And I was like, all right, well. I guess I have to do it because <laughs> it's for a good cause. These employees that I all know are not working. Um, and it was actually, he, he, I think he did it the best I had seen. He, he let some people, we were able to see some people, but then, um, you know, obviously most people have to be muted because you're, you're going to hear just like at work, like someone's dog barking in the back or child screaming. Uh, so most people were muted, but he had like, seven or eight people of his staff that weren't muted so we could hear a little bit of feedback and I mean it was everyone was trying their best to figure that stuff out but um I did it I actually had fun but also I was like I won't do that again <laughs> yeah that I mean because obviously stand-up comedy is pretty much all based off audience reaction you know what hits and you know what doesn't and even if seven or eight people's mics are turned on that might not be enough to know is <laughs> no. this really a good bit or not you know you just don't know yeah, definitely. That was um, that was definitely one where I was like, I'm I'm basically going to do stuff I know, and also just you know, kind of able to make jokes about like the current situation, being the pandemic, and being a comedian that was doing a Zoom show, basically yeah. just making fun of that for for <laughs> a good portion of it. So, uh, but yeah, some people really uh, stuck with it, and I, I'm sure it got you know better or or well more well produced in some ways i know some people did like a like ben glebe was doing a a remote show and stuff like that so some people really made it work too though in your new set do you have pandemic humor in there did you you have strictly stuff that um about the pandemic not stuff that occurred during it because clearly i'm sure most of your material was formed during it but just pandemic humor in general a little bit mo you know stuff that people can relate to things that um, not so much about it as as much about, um, you know, what we all went through individually, sort of, you know, being at home with your partner or um, my mom works in a funeral home. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I as I t terribly said one day on set, well, she called me and I was like, well, she said I've been busy. And I was like, yeah, business is booming for you. So um and so we, I, I definitely have some things in there uh, about it. And, um, you know, I don't, I think most people, you want to kind of move on from it, but at the same time, you acknowledge certain things that happen during it uh, yeah. individually for people. And then you can have fun with it because um, I think standing up there and hitting it, you know, uh, constantly would probably not be something people want to listen to, but you got to have some fun with it for sure. I'm curious about this since you've been back doing shows. Have you noticed a difference in crowds in terms of how they're reacting to things or even comedy crowds getting more sensitive no. about things? Have, have have you had people offended or more upset more so than pre pandemic comedy or has it been pretty much the same if people are just happy to be out and laughing again? I mean, it seems like people are happy to be out and laughing again. Um, I, I definitely notice. um, depending on where you are, still some people aren't quite comfortable going out or 
um, or, you know, if a, cl- a club has certain rules, people don't like that. Like it's, you know, it's all, that's the thing is these businesses for the most part have, have been able to, to, I don't know, move on and, and be able to practice, you know, have safely have people in. But at the same time, I think some of them are still kind of hindered by, by things, um, which I get. And, and that's going to be a, you know, for every business for a while. But for the most part, it seems like people, when they get out, they're happy to be there. And I don't really have material that I think people get offended by. So I don't seem to have to worry about that uh, too much. But when I say that, and then, you know, now we know that there's times when people are offended by someone breathing. So um, uh, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I just see the Chappelle stuff and I, you know, and I, and I think if, 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 um, he does that set three, five years ago. It doesn't get the reaction that it does now. It's just that we're in different times. And, you know, some people just, I, I just, I know that there's people out there that are just more offended now by things that were acceptable five, six, seven well, years ago. Yeah. the weir- I mean, you know, I was on, on Chelsea lately. And if people listening remember that show, I mean, oh, yeah. it was off the cuff, like making fun of people every night. And, um, there's no way that that show Never. <laughs> would be on without all of us being canceled every single night. Yeah. It just wouldn't. No chance. It wouldn't go. It would have to, if she wanted to do anything with it again, it would definitely have to be different. And, and, um, you know, and those were silly topics and, and entertainment and, you know, uh, people in Florida having sex with benches, which for some reason was a story a lot. And uh, <laughs> we would just do, you know, those kinds of topics and silly stuff. But of course, um, when you think something's silly and then, and then sometimes obviously it hurts someone's feelings or whatever. So yeah, that stuff is, is interesting. Um, you don't know. And also so part of that to me is, is, um, this is much more about like Twitter or something when, when there's these people that tweet public things and then like six years later, someone gets mad about it and you're like, but it was public Yeah. six years ago. <laughs> why, why, why weren't you mad about it then? I mean, I totally get if it's like a, a racism thing or so, you know, somebody and somebody gets a job and it turns out they're a horrible racist and shouldn't be in charge of people. Sure, that's different. But, you know, when you make like a dumb joke or something and people come back and they're like, but it, it's been up there for six years. Why? Are, I, it's so it's such a strange line. Um, there's plenty that I think is uh, unacceptable, obviously. But then there's some things where you're like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Yeah, no, it's it's really a case-by-case basis because it's, yeah, it's not a really. universal thing where, hey, big deal you wrote something seven years ago. No, and no, because it could be very, very offensive, and it um, now it's looked at a lot differently. But I, there was something that popped up in Bachelor World, and I'm sure you've heard about this or seen this, that – I wanted to get your take on, I don't know if this is a big thing. Maybe it is. Maybe this does upset some people and maybe it doesn't. But, um, so Katie bachelorette, Katie went on Whitney Cummings podcast and then Whitney had Katie open for her at the Irvine improv. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Katie is, I guess, wanting to start a career in standup, which is, which is great if that's what she wants to do. However, you know, and you talk to any standup comedian to, to get you don't stage get to start, time, uh, at a, you don't get to start at a packed theater. Packed um, theater opening for Whitney yeah. Cummings. I mean, that's yeah, a big, yeah. big deal. Like, is is that something that would be and, and it had nothing to do with whether her comedy was good or not? Because I didn't hear the show, so I have no idea if it was good or not. I just saw a thirty Same. second clip that she put on Instagram stories about shitting at work, and so it's like whatever. Comedy oh. is subjective. Some people probably <laughs> thought it was funny. Some people didn't. But right. the whole idea of Whitney doing a favor for her, but is it looked at as a positive that Whitney would go out of her way to give somebody just a chance? Cause I, I don't think that Katie is like touring with Whitney now. If she was, I think that'd be a different story, but a one-time thing is that, is that a frowned upon or was it like, Oh, you know, she threw her a bone. That's cool of her. To I do mean, that. I think it's, I guess it's probably case by case who you speak, speak to too. I mean, I personally was kind of like, Oh, there's probably someone, with that could use the exposure that's worked harder at stand up, And so I don't begrudge Katie wanting to do it. And she seems like a funny, you know, woman to me. Um, and, uh, I don't begrudge her wanting to do it or, or that, I mean, you know, I think if, if it was, 
I don't know if I, I also don't know the case if she put up um, another opener too, or if it was just Katie or, or I believe what I believe there was. I, th- I believe Katie opened and then the and then someone after her. There was definitely two before uh, Whitney. Right. So it was more like the the, the person that would have gotten the job still got the job, but they just had Katie out there for a little fun. It's like yeah. I guess that's pretty harmless. Um, yeah. Of course, when I first read it, I was like, wait, hold on, wait a second. <laughs> we don't just throw bachelorettes on stage <laughs> anymore. Like, let's not do that. But also if I know they have a friendship and a relationship and so that is different. And if, um, you know, someone else was still up there and and she just came out and had a little fun, I guess it's great. I think Katie seems a little bit self-aware. I think she even said, I think the clip I saw, she said something about like, get me off this stage. I'm bombing or something, (laughs) Um, which, you know, uh, uh, we all understand that that's going to maybe happen in that situation but um she looks like she had some fun with it so i also would imagine or hope anyway that she's probably like oh i gotta that was just like a fun thing but if i want to do this it's it's takes a little bit more uh than like being thrown on stage in front of thousands of people that were probably (laughs) like wait a second what's going on yeah because for all we know and for all i know and i'm almost positive like this is the first time she's ever performed comedy in front of anybody like to get that spot and to be at a club with Whitney Cummings, as opposed to if she were just had no relationship whatsoever with Whitney and wanted to start doing comedy, she would have gone to an open mic in front of way less people. And you know, she would have tried stuff out for hours and hours, like numerous times on an open mic night, not just, I mean, so for her, I almost congratulate her to even have the balls to want to do that to, as my first time, as opposed to totally. Thank you, Whitney. I appreciate it, but I, I'm not ready. I need, I need, I need to hone this material. I, I'm not ready for this. I don't know what to do in front of that many people. That I mean, I so many props to her for that to even wanting no. to do it in front of that crowd. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I, you know, there was, um, there's been times in my career, definitely early on that I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I got this. And then I did not got this. And um, the audience did not got this. And nobody got this. (laughs) And I learned the, um, you know, I learned pretty quickly, like, know where you are and know your, you know, where you can perform and where you can't and how much time you have and how much time you don't. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, I can do 20 minutes. Like, people think that doesn't sound like that much time, but it's so much time um, when you are, are starting out. So, I think it's, yeah, definitely good on her for having the balls to get up there and be like, yeah, I'll give this a try. And, and sh- I'm sure I would imagine that she didn't think she was going to be like amazing and, um, you know, super you can't <laughs> uh, structured be. and all that stuff. You can't be your first time. There's nobody yeah. that, I mean, guarantee if you looked at a tape of your first time on stage, you probably cringe at it now. Like, oh my God, look oh, at God. how young I was. I didn't have the right timing. I didn't have the right, you know, punchlines and the, and you know, I didn't emphasize certain things here and there. Like I guarantee you look back on it. Like, I can't believe that was, I can't believe I thought that was good or that was comedy or, or something. Oh, a hundred percent. There's things I can think of where I could cringe at my own, you know, but you evolve obviously as yeah. you go too. And, and um, so yeah, I was, I wish I, in some ways I'm like, Oh, I'd like to have seen that whole set <laughs> at the same time. But um, it did seem like, like I said, props to her. It seemed like she had a good sense of humor about it afterwards too. And during it. So do you remember your very first time you got up on stage in front of people? Yes. Where was it? Was it was at the ice house in Pasadena. They have a, oh, yeah. uh, it's a comedy club, but they have like a annex room, like a small club where basically people, comedians would run a show. And this is how, like you were just saying, it normally works in this situations. Like a comedian would run the show and they'd be like, you can have five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it was a stage time. If you get 20 friends here. So you have to like bribe your friends who, you know, at the time were kind of excited um, because like they get to come to your show and see you for the first time. But then a year later and you're still having to do that. They're like, listen, I can't come see you anymore. Um, <laughs> call me later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was there. So I got like friends and family and um, I had a great set because it was packed with a bunch of my friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I, I, I worked hard on like structuring my jokes and doing a couple open mics here and there at like little places before I actually did that with a bigger audience. Um and uh, and I'm glad it went well, because who knows if I don't know if I don't know if you ever get back on stage, if the first time you ever do it is a nightmare. I don't know. 
I'd like to believe I would have, but who knows? <laughs> did you did you ever do comedy troupe or stuff like that? Comedy classes? I did. I did one called the Comedy Connection. I actually took a couple classes at the impro- at the um, um, Groundlings too, but okay. um, yeah, I didn't like move through their system or, or anything like that. I more just like took a couple because I wanted to. I, it's so different improv versus stand up, but like I wanted to take it mostly because for the acting side, because I thought it would help me be more on my feet in auditions, um, especially for comedies and things like that. And I thought that skill would help me. Um, I was terrible. I was not good at like an improv group, like the games and stuff, yeah. which when people are good at them, it's, it's mind blowing to me because it, it can't, it's so, it can be so funny. And you're just like, how did you, come up with that. But boy, I was not like that. Uh, that was not, not my strong suit. I was funnier when I would get to do like a character that I, I came up with or something, but, um, doing the games and stuff, I was, I was pretty much the weak link. I'm pretty sure people were glad when I stopped taking those classes. Yeah. You, you talk about doing stand up and having times where, especially in the beginning where it's just in front of your friends or you bombed. I'm, um, it's weird because I, dream a lot. And I remember a lot of my dreams and I have four dreams that are recurring. I don't need to go over what three of them are. They have to do a lot of them have to do with school and and back in high school and my basketball career and stuff like that. But one of my recurring dreams, and I don't know why this is the case because I've never done it in my life. One of my recurring dreams is I'm set to go on stage and perform stand up, and I completely have nothing. And I'm, and it happens probably once every couple months I get that dream and I don't know what it is. If there's any dream analysts out there, please let me know what the hell that is. But it kind of, uh, and I, interesting. It, it well, just, what do you, funny do you want to be my Kate? Do you want to be my Katie at the Addison? Improv <laughs> in front of a... <laughs> Yeah. Just go. Uh, no, I, it's weird because I've stand up has been a huge part of my life in terms of I've watched it ever since fifth grade and I, I the the amount of stand up specials that I've I've seen like every stand up special there is and I've been such a huge fan but I've never tried it I've never even sat down with a pen and paper and said let me write out a five minute set and see what it's on I've never even done that but yet I get this recurring dream probably every couple months where it's like I'm at some sort of club and I'm backstage and all of a sudden I'm like Steve you're set you're you're in five minutes I'm like I don't but why am I here I don't have anything why am I on why, why am I supposed to go on stage? I don't have a set. And then, and then it inevitably in the dream, I have, I end up being on stage and I'm just, and I know it's, it's tough to remember dreams, but I, I know that I start telling stuff and some people laugh and some don't, but I can't remember what any of the jokes are, but I know that I struggle and I say a lot of ums and there's a lot of dead air and it's just weird. And then I usually end up waking up or something like that. You know, I, yeah, so that's really that's interesting. I would like to know. I have one, my recurring one. I'm you said school. It's probably similar. I just had, you know, I just am always. I never graduated is my dream, even though I did. But um, I yeah. have one all the time that I get. I, I honestly can barely chew gum now because this dream happens to me so often that I'm chewing gum and it's, it gets so stuck in my mouth and I start pulling it out and pulling it out and it's like stuck to the sides of my mouth and my tongue. I mean, it's awful. <laughs> it is. And it, I get that dream. I have it at least once a week. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't had that one. I, I did have the, I, the, the, one of my other recurring ones was the, um, it's the end of, it's the end of college. And all of a sudden I find out that I haven't attended one particular class all semester. I have, that's one of the recurring ones that I have. I don't know why. Um, the other one goes back to my radio career where, and this, I guess kind of relates to the stand up one is, I get on the air. I like in my dream, I'm on the air and I'm forgetting what to say and I'm completely bumbling my words. I'm not saying anything. I'm trying, I don't have it written out. So I'm trying to do it off the top of my head and it's just a bunch of dead air and I'm getting all nervous and sweaty about it. It's just, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but, um, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know. I've, there were times probably 10, 15 years ago where I thought I wanted to, try an open mic and just give myself five to 10 minutes and see if I could do it. And I just never, um, certainly there's plenty of places where I know I could have gone to do it. I just never sat down to hone it, to write out the material and then hone the skills of actually doing a set. So it's, uh, 
it's just it's never going to happen. But the fact that it appears in my dream, <laughs> maybe that's part. Maybe this is what my dream is telling me. Like Steve, just do it. D- do it one time, and then maybe you'll stop dreaming about this. Um, but no, I don't. I don't know. I'd have to really. Hit up, hit up Whitney Cummings. If you like <laughs> exactly. Whitney, can I open for you, please? Um, I know you're headlining in Madison Square Garden, wherever she is. Um, uh, so um, I wanted to switch gears here real quick, talk about uh, your husband, because this just re- recently happened, I think over the weekend. Um, your husband, former NFL punter, John Ryan, who's now playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, mm-hmm. he established a record-setting donation scholarship for the Regina Rams. So tell everyone oh, how this came hold about. Hold on. What? Hold on. You want it to be Regina, but sadly, oh, it's, it's the Regina, Regina Rams. It's, yeah. My that's bad. the name of the city. Canadians. The the city. Canadians, Canadians, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I should have known that. Uh, Regina Rams. <laughs> um, tell well, everyone how that came to be, what it is, et cetera. Yes. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that when John played in the Super Bowl and, you know, when they have to say where they went to college um, and he quickly said, John Ryan used to the University of Regina and he said it fast and he's got a little bit of a lisp and everyone was texting me like, did he just say yeah. what I think he said? And I was like, it was Regina, everybody. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, yeah, he it's in his dad's name and his dad was a big part of the community there and his dad loves loved football and, and always watched John and his brother also played um, for the University of Regina. And they uh, decided to set up a scholarship fund in his name and they've been working on it for years. And then once it finally got to a certain amount, um, I guess I don't listen. I don't know how things like interest and whatnot work. I'm not I'm not the uh, I'm not the money handler in this family, I don't think. But uh, he's like now that they got they got it to a certain point where they could announce it because now it, it'll last forever. Like the interest will will make it last forever and they'll be able to give ten thousand dollars a year. It's going to be five student athletes get ten uh, two grand a year um, for a scholarship. And there that's, you know, even it's a lot of money and it's really helpful for people. So uh, he was really proud of it and, and worked really hard. He's been doing fundraisers and charity golf tournaments and uh, all, and he has a, a, his family obviously helped. And then he has a good friend named Scott uh, Love that, that lives in Regina as well, that helped him with all of these things. And, and they would get private donations and all kinds of different stuff to raise money for the scholarship. So it was a, it was pretty great. And uh, he got to announce it over the weekend. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, I think, I mean, how is he liking playing up there? I know he, I know he recently um, got injured, which um, yeah. apparently is affecting your sex life. Um, <laughs> saw that on your Twitter. <laughs> But yeah, we were texting and I was like, does this mean I'm going to have to be on top for a while? And he was like, yeah, maybe a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And um, I was like, mm, I'm going to have to post this conversation. Sorry, yeah, honey. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you been up there? You've been up there to to watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. I So I was actually, I was in Arkansas for two months. I did, um, I was doing a play there, the staged reboot of Designing Women, which was really awesome. Oh, um wow. Yeah, yeah, it was written by Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who created the show, and we and and that's she's from the South, and she decided to to premiere it there, and uh, and you know work workshopping it around, but um, it was fun. So I didn't get to go. I went in August, right after the borders opened. I was able to go see him, and then to a couple games right before I left, and then we hadn't seen each other since the end of August until this past weekend, and I got to finally go up there. Um, and uh, that it's such a fun. It's such a football city. It reminds me very much of Seattle when when he played on the Seahawks. Like people on Fridays are wearing their gear, no matter if they're out to a nice dinner or at a restaurant or at work at <laughs> a corporate gig. You know, they got their jersey on, and um, and it's a huge, it's this beautiful, awesome stadium. So it's super fun to go up there. But he did just find out that he's out for the season because of his ankle, so he's coming home. <laughs> that oh, geez. Be, that he, all being said, did he break it? Or he sprained yeah. it? No, it's broken. Yeah, it was sprained and uh, broken, like a, a, a fracture. So they he stayed up there trying to see if he would be ready by playoffs, but they just uh, the surgeon just told him yesterday, like even if you were feeling better by then, um, kicking on it would just isn't going to be an option. So he's got probably another month or so um, of healing to do before he can 
do that again. But other than that, he loves it up there. <laughs> is it is it his plant leg or his kicking leg? Kicking leg, yeah. Oh, so did he come down on it wrong? Did he get tackled? What no, happened? he 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 rolled it running downfield. Yeah, like oh. right after a punt. So he and he just rolled it, and it and he hasn't. No, this was he was telling me this is the first time he's ever missed a game in in 16 years of playing professional football, which is crazy. So he was uh, obviously not happy about it and really hoping that it wouldn't mean to lose the season. Cause I'm like, how does that not happen more when you really think about it? I mean, <laughs> as much stress as they all put on their ankles um, and just rolling it the wrong way. But um, yeah, that's what happened. So bef- the, during the game, before you went up to, before he went up to Regina and you guys were home a lot because of the pandemic, I'm asking a lot of people this, if they ever got, um, did you guys, I mean, I'm sure you did. It's just a matter of which shows that's what I'm interested in. Which shows, like, were your guys' shows that either you started during the pandemic and now you're hooked, or what was your go-to shows with John during the pandemic? Or maybe just even your own shows. Maybe you guys had different shows. Yeah. No, we watch a lot of the same stuff. Like, he's he's the one that turned me on to actually The Bachelor in the first place because he loves The Bachelor. <laughs> and um, and he, he loves reality TV. Like, he got me on Big Brother, um, which we uh, enjoy immensely did i ever tell you that they reached out about me doing celebrity big brother oh for february uh this was for a couple years ago oh for the one two years okay yeah yeah yeah. and i don't i mean i wouldn't say it was a direct offer but they were like hey we want to know if sarah would do this and my agents passed it along to me and and um they knew i was a big fan so they were like oh you probably want to do this then right And i was like no absolutely not if i lived in a house with a bunch of strangers for any amount of time, I would be the person crying in the dining room, diary room every night saying, let me out. You got to let me out. Oh, really? I would, it would, yeah. I wouldn't be, I couldn't do it. I have, I have like anxiety about being <laughs> in a house with people. I don't know. Like it's, a, you know, I, I couldn't do it. I, I could barely have roommates and I could barely get married. I thought so. Um, I, uh, I couldn't do it with a bunch of people I didn't know. So I was like, nope, I'll just watch from my house, watch safely from my couch and not be, I don't want America to be like that girl has some serious <laughs> issues because she cries every night. Yeah. Um, well, they're bringing, yeah. they're definitely bringing it back this February. They've already announced that, um, the third season of celebrity big brother is going to launch. Have they the haven't fall. announced the cast, right? No, no, there's room. I mean, there's rumors out there. I've, I've seen the names on, Oh God, what were some of the names that I've seen? Um, and I have no idea. I mean, these people definitely aren't confirmed, but there's a, apparently a, a a spoiler person out there for Big Brother in terms of the cast. And uh, some of the names were, oh God, Courtney's ex Scott Disick is one. Um, I heard Lance Bass. Uh, a couple, I, I'm totally blanking, but those were two that I know that I heard. Oh, Lance Bass would be fun on that. Yeah. Um, apparently he's a big fan as well of the show. So I guess I, apparently what I heard was Lance was supposed to be on one of the previous seasons of Celebrity Big Brother. And for whatever reason, uh, it didn't work out. Maybe the, I can't remember why, but um, yeah. So Lance, Scott Disick was one. I, I, there's other names. I guarantee a, there's got to be a comedian on their list. I mean, they they seem to put one in every season. Tom Green was on the last one. Right. Um, yeah. He was funny too. I really liked him on it. can't remember who was on season ones, but they definitely had one. Um, I want John to do it when he retires. I think that he would be, obviously he'd be great at the, like the physical competitions and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, I want him to do it when he retires. I, I, he, he, I think he really wants to, so we'll see. But um, once he, when he's done with, he was like, I can't, I can't. He's like, what if I went there and got hurt and then couldn't play football because I got hurt during like some stupid, you know, competition that I always feel like, I'm like, I don't know who comes up with these competitions, but it seems like they must've just like gotten super high and then thought yeah. of really weird stuff that they could put on. Yeah. Like I, I didn't start watching big brother till season 21. It was the first time I'd ever watched any of the seasons. So, and I've watched it religiously since I've watched all three seasons since, but I still think the show is it's it's corny and it's not the the competitions like you said this isn't survivor where you're lacking food and you got to swim a mile and a half or wherever you know whatever those things are those competitions on survivor blow big brother out of the water and clearly they can cuz you're on an island versus a set where they can just you know throw something together and it's like hey go find this flag in a in a 
peanut large peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. Wait, that's that's double dare. Whatever. But you same same concept of like these silly games where it's like, hey, roll this ball and balance it here or whatever. Um but yeah, I I I like Big Brother and oh Johnny Bananas was one of the other ones from the challenge. He's another right. one that's rumored for Big Brother. But who knows if these people are gonna get cast. I don't know. I don't know how right. reliable that source is uh with that spoiler for Big Brother. But um so what other shows that uh, did you guys absolutely get hooked on, whether reality or scripted, either one? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the, the scripted show. Oh, uh, Queen's Gambit was one. I think that was during. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a really good one. We definitely got hooked on Ted Lasso, which I think a lot of people did. But um, yes, I don't know if that was really pandemic or I guess it was still is. I don't yeah. know. No, it, yeah, um, it came out like last July, which was about three months into the pandemic. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of people have said it and I Trust me, I love the show. I think it's great. But I think it definitely was bolstered by the fact that it was such a feel-good show that it came out. And, yeah. it, and it came out during a time where everyone was basically in the dumps. Like, And then you just – it's such yeah. a positive show, and it's not like some dark, let's rip on each other show. I mean, it's just a very positive show, and he's talented, and his, and his buddy is talented, and Roy fucking Kent is like one of the best characters on television now. Truly, um, truly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, great show. And then, um, and then a lot of like really garbage reality TV, like Love After Lockup, and Life After Lockup, and all the Ninety Day Fiancés. I actually, maybe over this summer, kind of towards the end of the summer, was that I just I kind of quit watching all of those just for a bit. I mean, they're all still on my DVR, and believe me, it's not because I'm better than to watch them. I just sort of was like, all right, I've you know, I'll try to watch some something else other than all of this. But and then married at first sight, which I was telling you before we started, I'm obsessed with. I still watch that one. Um, and yeah, I all those. I don't know if you've watched any of the like love after lockups and and whatnot, but they're fascinating. It's fascinating because usually the maybe it's not that surprising, but like usually the person who was not incarcerated, the person who fell in love with the incarcerated person, is like the craziest person in the relationship. <laughs> Well, I'm assuming I haven't seen that show, but I'm aware of the premise. It's just these people that are locked up get love letters from random strangers, and it turns into a full blown relationship once they're out. Yeah, or they'll um, a lot. A lot of them, I guess, it seems like some of them meet on that. There's like Epsom Prison dating app, or um, and <laughs> if, you're, if you're specifically looking for a prisoner, it's for you, and. They or there's some people that would be you know knew each other before, um, and then stayed together when the other person went to prison. There's a there's a couple like that, but for the most part, yeah, it's usually someone seeking a relationship with an inmate, and then they get one, and then they're surprised when they get out that that person's basically just using them for like a place to live. <laughs> and although there's one girl that I, I think is fantastic. That was, that had like a bit, her name is Brittany and she was a, a few seasons ago and she was like a person who you go, Oh, this woman just, she got like a bum deal. And she was, you know, she was, she struggled growing up a lot. And, um, and then she actually like grew through the show. And I was like, Oh, that's actually like a nice story, <laughs> but most of them are not. Well, you have a, you have a bit in one of your sets about the farmers only.com dating <laughs> dating site. There's gotta be, have you included something about life after lockup? There's gotta be five minutes in there that you could easily pull. If you were to sit down and, and write about just the relationship between somebody who randomly messages somebody in prison and wants to start something when they yes. get out, there's gotta be something there, right? There, there has to be. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you know after this weekend. Yeah. Now I'm like, yeah, that's gotta be in there. <laughs> um, so we haven't even spoken Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. Um, right now, you're not watching Michelle's season, and that's fine. Not a lot of people are. The ratings suck. But oh, do they? I'm yeah, they're not, they're not great. Um, but I, I also think... Look, it's too much. Back to back to back, it's too much. Yeah, it is too much. But ratings now, just uh, across the board on network television, are just... They're so hard to gauge because the ratings that we see are the overnight ratings. So many people are watching the show not on the night that it airs. Um, streaming is such a big thing, and streaming doesn't release their numbers. So it's really tough to say. But if we're going to go over the overnight ratings compared to the other seasons, it's it's the lowest it's ever been. But you did watch KD season. You did watch Paradise. 
Um, any imp- and I do really like Michelle. That's the only thing that's bugging me about the fact. I mean, I, I mean, again, it's all on my DVR. I'll catch up on it. But yeah. I just the other day, I think I turned it on and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just not in the mood to watch Bachelorette right now. So like, I just finished it. Yeah. So do you, from Katie's season or Paradise, do you remember um, your impressions or what you were, uh, what you liked and disliked about? Like, how about that well, whole Brendan and Piper situation with going on for followers and all this stuff for on Paradise this summer? What did you think of that? Yeah. Wait, for followers? Which was that? How do I not know about this? Brent, remember Brendan and Piper on Paradise this summer? Yeah. And they became, like, the most hated couple because they got caught, right. like, with their right. mics on and they're talking about, like... Oh, she only, you know, we're, I basically, they only, they were dating pre-show, but they tried to pretend that they weren't. Right. Essentially. Right. Yeah. Yes. That I forgot thing. about that. Yes. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, well, I really liked Joe and Serena actually. And I was like, I thought the whole, um, uh, what can I think of his, his ex's name? Kendall. I thought that was, Kendall. yeah. I thought that was all very, I mean, obviously, you know, that. I mean, that's all, that's all set up, right? Like yeah. they know each other's going to be on there. Nobody's surprised. Um, so I thought that was kind of. I didn't love that because I thought Serena was really cool. And I sort of liked that. I liked them together, even though I liked them. I liked Kendall and Joe together too, but then, you know, if it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Um, but at least I thought it was nice the way they sort of ended it all with the, with the nice sort of speech that she gave him on the beach and congratulated him. And I was like, all right, well, there we go. So That's of, nice. of the three engaged couples that came out of paradise, you had Joe and Serena you had Kenny and Mari and you had Riley and Marissa. Riley, yeah. Did you yeah. like, did you like the other two couples as well? Um, I, I liked them fine. I didn't think I felt like any, um, I didn't feel any passion about either one of them. I was kind of like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> what about Kenny's nudity all season? what do you think of that? About what? Kenny's nudity all season. The fact that the oh, guy we- literally never wore, it had a black box around his crotch for 10 episodes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, I, that's, that's the one thing I really like about Bachelor in Paradise is that they'll just do that stuff and it's so dumb, but it's just like fully entertaining to me. I'm like, I don't know why you can't put pants on and you know that you're being filmed. Um, I assume you're doing it on purpose and they're going to capitalize it. And every night we get to have like nudity watch and we get to have black box watch and it gives us something all to do and <laughs> something to look forward to. I think the, I really liked the touch with, the guest host i spade is such a huge fan of the show in general he loves the franchise so it made sense for him i was just kind of bummed that he only got two episodes like if he would have hosted the whole season and did the humor that he did on the show where like yeah i'm i'm here because i lost a bet and just stuff like that like that's funny and he's and he sets the tone because he's basically showing you like look don't take this stuff so seriously i'm a comedian and look at me i'm down here hanging out with you guys and um I just thought I, it was funny. I thought it, I thought that was a good twist, a good not twist, but a good touch for the show to just kind of get the audience in the mood. Like, hey, anybody can kind of host this thing. They're just you don't really do anything as the host anyway. Yeah, even though and like and Lance Bass did too, right? Like he yeah. was, I he was fun and um, but I was, I did think that why maybe he had another commitment or something. David Spade, I was like, why don't you just host this whole season? Yeah. Like just want you don't. It doesn't have to be. Um, that you become the new host of Bachelor in Paradise if you want to try it out. But and maybe they just wanted to mix it up. I mean, they, you know, they had fun people. So that um, nobody asked me, by the way, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I was uh, surprised, though, as because knowing that he's like a legitimate fan and uh, and how funny he is with hosting things. I was kind of surprised that he wasn't just at least the permanent one for that season. And maybe, you know. Maybe he will be for going forward. I don't know. They yeah, really said. It, it's possible because yeah. we don't we don't know until the next season of Paradise starts filming. Is assuming they do another season of Paradise. That is it going to be the same thing? Are we just going to rip through guest hosts? If we do, is it going to be this? You know, some repeats think, and some new ones, or spade the whole yeah, time or, or whatever. Because the, the one thing I like. I liked about having, I mean, you know, like say when it was Chris Harrison about having like the same go get same host on bachelor and bachelor in paradise is like the familiarity familiarity with the um, contestants, right? Like he knows their whole story. They've talked to him. They've, they probably cried to him before and now they're going to be able to cry to him again. Like I liked, that's the one thing I kind of liked about having the same host. But then after watching 
um, this in, in paradise and being like, oh, it's kind of more bachelor in paradise is more loose. And they do do the jokes with someone being naked the whole season. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it is more fun to have someone like a David Spade or just someone having fun, you yeah. know, for sure. So I, and I think they should do that. Yeah. If they're listening, that's my advice to you guys. <laughs> and yeah, and we just don't know. I mean, maybe it, maybe it will be a thing and maybe David will, cause that filming, for paradise from beginning to end is only three weeks. It's not like he has to give up a lot of his time. It's right. basically three weeks in June. But if you're, a, if you're spayed and you're still touring and you're still doing sets, don't you basically kind of have to say, well, if I'm going to do th- give up three weeks of not doing stand up somewhere, you have to match that pay wise because why else would I go do this for you? It's not going to really help his stand up career to be the host of bachelor in paradise. So, um, I wonder I hope he does it, but we just don't know because they don't ever reveal anything to right. the audience. As we sit here on November 10th, Clayton's season is literally almost done filming, and they still haven't even told us that he's The Bachelor for next season, which starts in January. Like it's that's, That shows you how behind this franchise is and in terms of what they're going to tell you and when they're going to tell it to you. You know, it's just right. sucks. Yeah. It's really bizarre. It's crazy. It um, is bizarre. And you haven't watched Michelle season. We, luckily, we have you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you you haven't watched Michelle season, so you are probably like, "Hey, what's this Clayton guy like?" And I can fill you in and say, "I have no fucking clue because he barely gets yeah. any. He's barely gotten any camera time on her season. He hasn't got a one on one yet. He hasn't been shown at all. I think everybody who knows that he's the next Bachelor and going into Michelle season was like, "Okay, that probably means this guy's going to get a good edit. We're going to see why they named him the Bachelor." Well, through four episodes, we, I mean, I, I the emails, the DMs I've gotten are opposite. Like, do you think they're doing the opposite? Like, let's keep him more under wraps since it's pretty much out. Then they kind of edited him out. I, I'm trying to figure out what they're like. It's one thing to not announce him, but then to not highlight him in the show. I figured they would do one or the other, either highlight him in the show and not announce him. Or announce him and then just run his regular season and how he did on Michelle's season. You don't have to worry about that because... But then I thought, well, if they announced him before Michelle's season started or while her season was airing, people might take that as to, look at this, they're already promoting their next Bachelor when Michelle's season just started. And people might look at that as some sort of front to Michelle that they're right. you know, not giving her enough attention for her season. So maybe that's it. But the thing is, so many people have emailed me and DM'd me and messaged me and just said... I don't get why Clayton is the bachelor. They haven't shown us anything to make us be like, Oh wow. I can kind of see it. They've shown nothing. And granted, I didn't expect him to blow anybody off the screen because you just look at his bio. He's just an orthopedic sales rep from Missouri who played right. tight end at the university of Missouri for, for a little bit. Like it's like, okay, it just seems like a cookie cutter guy, but he's not doing anything. He's not getting a negative at it. He certainly doesn't look bad on Michelle season. He's just, we're not getting to know him, which is kind of a surprise. And then if you kind of go back and think about the whole casting process, all these women that were applying to be on the next season of the bachelor, you know, when you go in and in casting, they always ask you like, who are you interested in from this franchise? And I'm sure a lot of those women threw out some of the guys names from Katie season, the Greg's, the Andrews, the Justin's, whoever her top three guys outside of Blake, but none of those women threw in Clayton because they didn't even know who he was at that point. So it's right. Like, like that's these, these women are competing for a guy they didn't yep. even sign up for, you know? Yeah. That'll be the interesting thing too. probably like watching the, um, <laughs> you know, watching them all come out of the limos on his season. It's going to be funny because they're gonna be like, when I heard it was you, I had I, no idea yeah, who you were. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea who you were. And really, if I remember the timing correctly, when it when it when word got out it was Clayton, I think they were about a week from leaving for the show. So all any of them could have done is just Google his name and saw like, okay, he's in sales, uh, played football, he's a big beefy guy, and that's about it. Like that's that's all you can get out of that guy because they hadn't seen him talk, they hadn't seen him walk, dress, how he kisses a woman, like they hadn't seen any of that. And in every season of The Bachelor. These women at least know who they're going on for, even if it was surprise to them at the last minute, because it's somebody who'd been on the show before outside of Matt James. But they also had six months before from the time Matt James was announced to the time he really started uh, filming 
they had plenty of time to look him up and see plenty of videos and TikToks and stuff of him. But Clayton, exactly, just People nothing. Could Google him and and figure things out. Um, yeah, they'll probably ju- they'll just be like, "You're, I remember you. I thought of you <laughs> as the most." charismatic man on Michelle's season and people will be like, wait, what? He was, we didn't even see him. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. you didn't. You hadn't seen him yet. What are you talking yeah, about? You're lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting because none of them can give, be like, I came on the show when I heard it was you like, no, you didn't because he wasn't announced <laughs> until about a week before all you women left to go on the show. So no, you had no idea. Who, no idea. Who yeah. he was or anything about him other than the basics. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Clearly, you know, they're down to the final three now. Clearly three women have seemingly fallen for him in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, they're going to play it off like they have. And maybe someone did truly fall for him. And, you know, they saw him the first night, and maybe he's their type. But, um, yeah, just a definitely a we- definitely a different vibe because he's the first guy ever who was never – well, I shouldn't say ever because they, they used to just pick somebody out of the blue. But I'm talking in recent memory since 2010. Years, yeah. Um, the new iteration of the show. He's the first one that they ever just kind of surprised the women with like, Hey, here's your bachelor. You have no idea. He wasn't on a previous season, you know? So yeah. yeah. I don't know. I wonder how many of them were pissed. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing I guarantee there's going to be some storyline this season of at least one woman who was like, I didn't even sign up for this. I didn't even know who this guy was. Like I guarantee they're going to get somebody saying that at some point. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but you're not missing much by not missing Michelle's season in terms of what you're missing on Clayton because he just hasn't been featured at all. I know, but well, I'm about you know I'm going on the road this weekend, and I'm I guarantee I'll be like, well, guess I'll catch up on the Bachelor when I'm <laughs> downtime during the day. So I mean the Bachelorette. So yeah. I'm sure I'll be uh, I'm sure I'll be back to catching up when. Uh, I'm not too far behind anyway with her, so yeah. you can kind of blow through it. Yeah, and for yeah, for those once again to remind people, starting uh, tonight, Thursday through Saturday, you are at the House of Comedy in Arizona, and then next Friday through Sunday, you are at the Addison Improv in Dallas. You can go to those either of those sites to purchase tickets. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you next Saturday night. That'll be fun. Uh, yes, can't wait to we'll see your set. After yes, we'll we'll hang out afterwards. And we'll share even more stories about Clayton. And I can fill you in on the spoilers of what's going on on Clayton's season. Oh, all I ever do is read your spoilers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's literally like I am uh, my – it's funny because John is not like – he doesn't love spoilers, my husband, and I do. So he's always like when we watch it, um, I'll be watching knowing, you know, like I knew Joe and Serena were going to end up together even when Kendall came in. And I was just like – and he's just like looking at me like, don't you say a word. Don't say a word about <laughs> – don't react to any of these people because I know that you know what's going to happen. Well, I've got I got some uh, I can definitely share some good juice with you that I heard just off air stuff about contestants and relationships and stuff. So I'll share that with you. Um, enjoyable. That'll air. be enjoyable yeah. for me. You'll you'll love it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Sarah, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, you can catch her tonight through Saturday at the. Um, the House of uh, Comedy in Arizona and then Addison Improv next Friday through Sunday in Dallas. So, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. And, thank uh, you. Look forward to seeing you next weekend. Yes, I'll see you then. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Sarah for coming on. Really appreciate that. I love talking to comedians. And, yeah, I guess I opened up to you guys and told you one of my uh, recurring four dreams is that I am all of a sudden – supposed to deliver a set at a stand-up comedy club and i'm like why i don't why am i here and then i can't get for some reason you know it's a dream so all weird stuff happens but i can't get out of it i'm on stage i'm thrown up there i just start kind of talking and thinking of jokes off the top of my head some jokes that like i'm literally plagiarizing from past sets that i've heard from other comedians since i'm such a fan of stand-up comedy like it's really bizarre, and I swear I get that dream probably once every couple weeks. And I, sorry, not a couple weeks, couple months. But yeah, that's one uh, one where I'm at coming to the end of senior year of college, and I realize there's a class that I've skipped all semester and haven't attended, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And then there's the radio one, where I'm supposed to go on the air and talk. You know, my background is sports talk radio, and I'm supposed to get on the air. And again, I don't have my notes in front of me and I just start 
hemming and hawing and a lot of dead air. Uh, and then the other one has to do with uh, basketball and my high school basketball career. Those are the four that recur the most. And it's just, I don't know, any dream analysts out there? Does that mean anything? Two of them are pretty much the same. They're not being able to basically at a loss for words up on the stage and at a loss for words uh, when I'm on the mic on radio. So, I mean, look, I don't, I don't even know if somebody, if a dream analyst was out there and told me, oh, yes, that means this, if I would even believe it. I, I, I don't know if I even buy that stuff. But I know there are people out there that do believe in that stuff. So maybe somebody that's read on this stuff can tell me maybe what that means. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, thanks to Sarah for coming on. Thank you for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. Again, I'll reiterate because Sarah's a friend. If you're in Arizona, go see her show tonight, tomorrow, or Saturday. House of Comedy in Arizona. She's headlining there. And then next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 19th through the 21st, she is headlining at the Addison Improv in Dallas. And um, looks like I'm going to go to the Saturday night uh, second show. So... Thank you uh, for listening, and thank uh, Sarah again for coming on. So, for Sarah Colonna, I'm Reality Steve. Again, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week.